0: Hey, everybody, welcome to Momlitics. I'm your host, Rebecca Sheehan. Here at Momlitics, we make politics palatable for parents. In every episode so far, I've interviewed people on a variety of topics. As a former TV reporter, that's kind of my thing. But for this episode, I've decided to go solo and elaborate on an opinion piece of mine that was just published in a national news outlet because there's a whole lot more to say about the horrific Covenant School shooting. Specifically, how insane it is that our country continues to allow innocent people, including children, to be killed. I think what's unique about this shooting, and why it's gotten me particularly fired up, is that instead of this tragedy uniting us in mourning the loss of children, it's literally dividing us even more. For example, have you seen some of these headlines? On the left, one says, The right exploits Nashville shooting to escalate anti-trans rhetoric or from the right. Quote, they're not going away. Megan Kelly is effing sick of calls to ban guns after Nashville shooting. Sadly, the aftermath of this shooting is literally pitting gun rights activists against trans activists since the female shooter used male pronouns. What could capture the zeitgeist of today more than this battle? Also embodying the moment we're living in is the strong hesitation to venture outside the acceptable political views and rhetoric of one side or the other. So without further ado, I'm taking one for the team. Instead of scoffing or rolling your eyes or whatever else, I hope and pray that you'll take these words and the facts that I'm about to share to heart, not only for the lives of the covenant victims, but for the victims of past mass shootings and all the people who might be next. Regardless of your opinions on mainstream media, CBS's Scott Pelley had a pretty spot-on quote. He said, Mass shootings were once so shocking they were impossible to forget. Now they've become so frequent, it's hard to remember them all. When a shooter mercilessly guns down six innocent people, including three children, the world ought to stop turning, at least until we can ensure it never happens again. But the sad truth is that today, our country is so polarized and desensitized that when something unthinkable like this happens, we grieve, we hug our babies extra tight, and then we move on. Nothing changes except for the lives of the families, friends, co-workers, even first responders immediately touched by the tragedy. And what about the hundreds of kids who were in school during this shooting and others? The news cycle might callously move on, but how can they? For how much longer will we allow, maybe even enable, these shootings to take place? The Covenant School shooting hits uncomfortably close to home for me, which is also why I hope my thoughts will resonate. Our kids attend a school that's a mirror image of the Covenant School in Nashville, a suburban pre-K through sixth grade Presbyterian school, and also a ministry of an adjoining PCA church. And our school has personal ties. Before coming here, our head of school was the assistant head of school at Covenant. And our church pastor is friends with the pastor of theirs, who now carries the unthinkable burden of losing a child. Can you even imagine? The connections don't stop there, but the violence needs to. What are we waiting for? So far this year, there have been 128 mass shootings, which is defined as four or more deaths, in just 86 days. Will one of these shootings ever be a turning point that changes the course of this unnecessary hellish trend? It was probably naive, but I thought that this one might have what it takes. The causes behind mass shootings are of course complex, but reports say the mentally unstable shooter owned seven guns, all bought legally. Why can't we simplify the problem by making rapid fire weapons, aka the ones with potential to kill the most people, less readily available, particularly to those with documented mental health issues? And yes, I know most guns can be modified after market, which is another issue. But do we really need to tee it up for potential mass murderers? Unfortunately, so far it seems the massacre at the Covenant School has not been the wake-up call America so desperately needs. Is this what the victims' families would want? I know it's not, and so do you. Therefore, here's my meager attempt to bridge the divide because, as they say, the definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over again and expecting something to change. The NRA says it's a myth, perpetuated by the mainstream media, that AR-15s are the weapon of choice for mass shootings. But let's be honest, statistics are easily molded to fit a variety of narratives. In the 17 most deadly shootings since 2012, AR-15s were used in 11 of them including the most deadly, the Las Vegas Music Festival shooting where 60 people were killed. Also at Sandy Hook Elementary School with 27 lives tragically lost and now at Covenant. There's a reason AR-15s are so alluring and I think that people on the left and or people who want more gun control need to learn more about these guns or else gun enthusiasts will immediately dismiss their arguments. So here you go, some info on this controversial weapon. First, it's the number one selling gun in America. Industry figures show that roughly 1 in 20 U.S. adults owns at least one of them. Also, the AR doesn't stand for Assault Rifle. It's an abbreviation for Armalite, which is the gun's original manufacturer. It's not an automatic machine gun. With each pull of the trigger, it fires just one round. But. Compared to a 9mm bullet shot from a handgun, a bullet from an AR-15 is about three times faster and strikes its target with more than twice the force. And the damage the bullet causes is different, too. The shockwave of the AR-15 bullet blasts a much larger cavity than the bullet from a handgun, potentially causing more lethal damage, even though unmodified AR-15s use smaller bullets. Besides the speed of the bullet and impact, rounds can be fired much more quickly since there's no kickback like traditional hunting rifles and shotguns. After shooting an AR-15 for the first time at a range, a gun enthusiast in Philadelphia told the Washington Post that three shots with his old hunting rifle bruised his shoulder, but 50 rounds with the AR-15 felt like a breeze. So you can see why AR-15s are popular with hunting enthusiasts, even recreational shooters and for self-defense, but also why they might be the weapon of choice for crazed individuals who want to kill a lot of people in a crowded place. Most AR-15 type rifles are sold with a 30-round magazine, but you can buy aftermarket magazines that hold 100 rounds. That means the speed with which you shoot is limited only by the speed in which you're able to pull the trigger. So you can shoot 100 bullets from a gun without kickback and then load a new one in about five seconds. And yes, I'm sure there are other guns that can be modified to use 100 round magazines or more, but why do we need such high capacity magazines to be legal and readily available in the first place? On the right, there's an argument we hear pretty often that I don't entirely disagree with, that any firearm can be used for good or for evil, and when there's a will, there's a way. If someone wants to shoot up a building, they'll find a way to do it. But again, do we really have to make it easier and pave the way for these crazed killers? To sum it up, AR-15s, generally speaking, enable bullets to travel faster, with greater force, do more damage to its target. And a shooter can fire these faster bullets more quickly, since there's no kickback, and they can reload magazines that hold 100 bullets. Honestly. Without all of these enhanced capabilities, don't you think a shooter would, at the very least, kill fewer people? We're not going to solve the problem overnight, but my goodness, we have to start somewhere. Even former President Donald Trump questioned the necessity of AR-15s. I don't know why anyone needs an AR-15, he told aides in August of 2019. Of course, he reined in those sentiments pretty quickly thanks to pressure from the NRA and his conservative base, to whom the AR-15 has become a symbol of freedom, masculine, don't-mess-with-me strength, and patriotism. You can look up shirts with AR-15s online, and the sayings on these shirts pretty much sum it all up. For example, you know when my AR-15 becomes an assault rifle? When you try to take it from me. Or, come and take it, Joe. And lastly, I lubricate my AR-15 with liberal tears which sounds a little bit callous after this weapon emblazoned on the shirt was just used to kill children. After the Covenant shooting, conservative Christian podcast host Ali Beth Stuckey wrote on social media, there is no use reasoning with people who have more concern for transphobia than for the lives of the little children murdered by a terrorist. She's referring in part to the trans activists who seem more preoccupied with potential attacks on the transgender community than the tragedy of the mass shooting itself. And the Trans Day of Vengeance, which was planned for several days after the shooting, also seems particularly insensitive and outrageous. But here's what I'd add to Ali Betts' statement. There's also little use reasoning with people who have more concern for their own recreational right to own AR-15 guns than for the lives of the little children murdered by a terrorist. I use the word recreational here because there are plenty other firearms that can be used for self-defense and yes, even hunting. Unfortunately, plenty of research shows that efforts to tighten gun control laws in a piecemeal manner doesn't really make a difference. But here's some food for thought. When our Second Amendment was ratified in 1791, the world was a completely different place. Since the United States had just achieved independence, it made sense to codify Americans' right to defend themselves against the government and any other imminent threats. The Second Amendment reads a well-regulated militia being necessary to the security of a free state, the right of the people to keep and bear arms shall not be infringed. Our constitution has held up incredibly well through the history of our young nation, but our founding fathers couldn't have possibly predicted that in the future we'd be bombarded with desensitizing depictions of violence, whether it be from TV shows, movies, or social media, and maybe worst of all, Civilians can now experience this adrenaline firsthand thanks to popular video games like Call of Duty. Its digital weaponry is exceedingly accurate because AR 15 manufacturers literally helped video game creators replicate every aspect of the firearm. Imagine if in the 1700s, the concept of angry, deranged people shooting up parades, concerts, and schools were as commonplace as it is today. Would the Second Amendment have been written any differently or include any caveats? Something has to change while keeping our fundamental right to protect ourselves intact. And from the bottom of my heart, I really hope that that's a point that our country will be able to rally around. I think a mom who narrowly escaped death during the Highland Park parade shooting this past 4th of July said it best when she interrupted a Nashville press conference after the recent shooting. She said, only in America can you survive a mass shooting and go and make a friend who's the victim of a mass shooting, and then go to meet that friend for lunch and end up in the middle of another mass shooting event. She says her once happy seven-year-old became angry and sullen after the Highland Park tragedy. She says, quote, he said to me, I didn't realize you could just die at any time. It is absolutely mind-blowing that the richest, freest nation in the world has this blemish, one that's becoming more like a cancer with each new mass shooting. How can we consider ourselves truly free when we fear for the lives of our kids as they go to school every day? School should be a place where we drop them off and then breathe a sigh of relief knowing they're in good hands and in a safe place. That's what I naively thought until the Nashville shooting occurred at a school so similar to ours. Many Americans have forgotten or refuse to believe that there are people on both sides of the aisle who truly want what's best for our country, and that bad people don't solely exist behind enemy lines. So for the sake of these six victims and all the others, both in the past and those who might be next, let's set aside our stubbornness and work together to come up with real solutions. Yes, that also means that woke prosecuting attorneys actually need to prosecute criminals what a concept, to ensure that illegal firearms stay off the streets and that legal ones don't land in the wrong hands. And again, if you feel strongly about this issue on either side, please take the time to learn about guns. Because how can we have productive dialogue on gun control when people might speak with emotion but have no idea what they're actually talking about, technically speaking? Also, big tech, Let's change social media algorithms so that extreme divisive voices aren't the loudest and most influential. And media outlets of all kinds need to do a little soul searching when it comes to which stories they select and promote. Headlines and posts about cooperation sound far less exciting than the incendiary ones, but we need to value and pay attention to non-polarizing voices of reason, because coming together is the only way to end this horrific epidemic. Thank you, as always, for listening to MomLitics. I'd love to hear what you think about this difficult topic. Feel free to send me a message on social media. On all platforms, it's at Rebecca R. Sheehan. I'll see you next time.